It is everywhere around me. It has become personal. Limited retirement income and poor health at the same time. It seems like the worst case scenario that is also the most common. That's why I want to fix them both. Thatcher Taylor here. Wealth program podcast. Retirement planner, asset manager, owner of ProPath Financial, lover of all things retirement planning with an extreme passion for fitness and how that all plays together. Fitness and financial planning are cut from the same cloth. And if you want to live the best retirement you can, you need to focus on them both. It's hit so close to home for too long how not having enough money and having bad health can really destroy a retirement plan. In addition, having a ton of money and having poor health can destroy the happiness in retirement. So we're going to evaluate both of them. And today we're going to talk specifically about how fitness impacts your retirement plan and what you can do now to prepare for it. There are essentially going to be two big topic areas that we're going to discuss today. It's going to be first physical activity guidelines for Americans. I'm going to link this in the show notes so you can see this for yourself, but it's a really, really great addition of evaluating the basic guidelines for Americans. And then second, depending on your health, we're going to go over probably six different areas that your health will impact your retirement plan. Very specifically, longevity, social security decisions, income distribution, your investment strategy, what your activities are going to be like in retirement, your cognition, your happiness, and potentially leaving a legacy. How your health is sometimes can lead you to how much of your wealth you want to spend. Sometimes all of it, sometimes very little of it. So your health impacts the decisions on how you want to go out of this world and what you want to leave behind. So let's start with some facts. 117 million people have one or more preventable chronic diseases. And seven of the 10 most common chronic diseases are favorably influenced by regular physical activity. Yet nearly 80% of adults are not meeting the key guidelines for both aerobic and muscle strengthening activity. I can't stress that enough. And muscle strengthening activity. No, you're not going to become a bodybuilder. While only about half of society meet the key guidelines for aerobic physical activity, this lack of physical activity is linked to approximately $117 billion in annual healthcare costs and about 10% of premature mortality. And one of the biggest costs in retirement, which we'll get to, is healthcare. Medicare doesn't cover everything. It covers some stuff, but you could be spending at least, I shouldn't say at least, excuse me, on average $5,000 a year in medical costs in retirement. That's the, that's the average is $5,200 per year. And that could be changing now after this whole COVID debacle. Here are a couple things that I've noticed that I found interesting within these data sets that they included in this write-up. The guidelines showed one thing. There is an increasing trend The U.S. adults ages 18 or older are meeting the aerobic and muscle strengthening guidelines from 2008 to 2016. So over that 
eight or nine year period, it was increasing. Like early on, it was around 22% for men and around 15 or 16% for women. And now it's around 24% for men and maybe around 18 or 90% for women, which is great, but that's 18 or older. Something that I found glaringly alarming is over a five-year period, U.S. high school students who met the aerobic physical activity and muscle strengthening guidelines actually decreased. So it shows the education around health and wellness is decreasing at the younger ages, which we know there's a lot of impact to how we grow and develop in this life from what we learn in our early ages, how we're nurtured into our future state of mind is can really be traced back to a lot of things in our younger years. This is showing that it's less emphasized at younger ages was later. So it's something to really be aware of as we move forward through this and we really develop this health and wellness mentality through the, for the future. One thing that should be noted is the word intensity. A lot of times in the fitness world, the term intensity comes up and there are varying rates of intensity. There are varying ways to describe intensity. So it's subjective for everybody, but there's one thing that's consistent. A very, very fit person's definition of high intense is going to be very different than a person that is out of shape and how they view their high intense. But there are three categories that they put here in this document. And there's light intensity, moderate intensity, and vigorous intensity. So let's just break these down so as we work through this, we can really start to think about how intensity plays into this. Light intensity is non-sedentary waking behavior. Sedentary basically means sitting down and keeping your heart rate at a certain level. Examples of light intensity is walking at a slower leisurely pace, cooking, or light household chores. That's light intensity. Moderate intensity requires, they say 3.0 to less than 6.0 METs. Um, that's getting a little bit too technical for me, but an MET is basically the rate of energy expenditure while sitting or at rest. You can look through here if you want to get more technical on that. But essentially, moderate intense activity that they call in here is walking briskly, playing tennis or rake in the yard where you're being active and kind of starting to use muscles. And then they classify vigorous intensity as jogging, running, carrying groceries, heavy loads up, carrying heavy loads upstairs, shoveling snow, participating in a strenuous fitness class. And it is noted that most adults do not do much vigorously intense activities, probably because it's a little too hard, but you can build up your classification of vigorously intense activities. Now, the next piece of the puzzle are the different segments of physical, physical activity, essentially the different levels. The first one is inactive, is not getting any moderate or vigorously intense physical activities besides just the basic movements. This is where most people live. Insufficiently active is you do some moderate or vigorously intense activity, but you're doing less than 150 minutes a week, which isn't really enough. It's better than nothing, but it's not enough to really start to intensify your lifestyle. The active is doing equivalent of 150 minutes to 300 minutes of moderately intense physical activity a week. 
and then highly active is doing more than 300 minutes of moderately intense physical activity a week. And it's really important to know that the highly active exceeds the key guidelines. So if you're getting highly active, which is 300 minutes, so if you do an hour fit CrossFit class, five days a week, you're getting your 300 minutes in, which is really, really good. The reason I brought up the behaviors and the physical activities that we just discussed, the the levels of physical activity and the intensity is because there's a direct correlation and a relationship between sedentary behavior and all-cause mortality. This is really, really significant in our society because most people sit down all day. You go to work and you sit down. Then you ride in your car in your commute to and from work, sitting down. You're laying in bed, which that's kind of important for recovery, so I'll give you a break on that. But then you come home to sit at the table and eat your food, and then you usually sit on the couch and watch TV or hang out. So you're leading a very high sedentary lifestyle, and that lifestyle has a significant correlation to all-cause mortality in adults. As you start to increase your volume in moderate to physical physical moderate to vigorous physical activity like we discussed before you start to reduce that mortality significantly that all cause mortality and you get the potential to reduce chronic illness and live longer hmm the first golden nugget for living longer and retirement is longevity and specifically longevity risk, which is the risk of outliving your assets. But we'll come back to that. So what do they call physical activity? What's the definition? And by this document, it's pretty vague and broad, but it's better than nothing. It encompasses everything that we need to address. Physical activity refers, and I quote, to any bodily movement produced by the contraction of skeletal muscles that increases energy expenditures above a basal level. In the guidelines, physical activity generally refers to the subset of physical activity that enhances health, end quote. So essentially what we're trying to say is your body has your bones, your skeletal structure. Then you have your muscles that overlay the bones Those muscles are the ones that get your body moving. To be able to move your body, you got to expand and contract those muscles. But you can do that in different forms that expend more energy. Let's take running, for example. Well, let's take the, the walking to the running and how it applies to the contraction of skeletal muscles. You can walk. And you're really expending low energy in general. You're doing the minimum amount of contraction, a very limited range of motion. Now, walking is valuable, but if you think about walking, your arms are kind of swinging relaxed and your legs are going one in front of the other and you're not utilizing the full muscle groups and the full range of motion of the body. But think about running. As you turn on the activity level of running, you're increasing your stride length. You're increasing your energy output. Your arms are actually active instead of just dangling at your side. They're more active in a good formation and a good form and an L level and you're 
hands are pumping forward and backward all at the same time and your torso is starting to turn and your hips are coming into play and your core is starting to activate and your calves and everything's starting to activate at once because there's more energy expenditure to control that movement. Now that is just one example, although I may have not explained it as well as I wanted to, and I'm not going to re-record it. That is just one example of many examples where you can utilize your body with a higher intensity and increase the range of motion and movements and expansion contraction your muscles to decrease all cause mortality. The belief is by doing this, you'll activate blood, you'll stimulate the body, the heart will start working more, pumping blood throughout the body. It increases endorphins and chemicals in the brain and your body just starts functioning better. And some of those health health outcomes include the reduction of diseases is coronary heart disease, stroke, cancer at multiple sites, type 2 diabetes, obesity, hypertension, hypertension, and osteoporosis, which those are some of the biggest killers in our society. And although I use running as an example, some of the additional strength training, traditional barbell movements can really help increase your physical fitness, such as muscle strength and endurance. But something I want to focus specifically on is your balance. It focuses on things that really matter in retirement and stability is one of them. Your physical stability can really help maximize your retirement because one of the biggest ways that people pass away in retirement is from falls. Their stability starts to weaken because your muscles and joints start to deteriorate. The better we take care of our body and structure, the better retirement we could potentially have by removing that risk of passing away from an uncertain circumstance like falling. One way that this is important is that when you're falling, if you're falling against the wall or down the stairs, strength and reaction time and stability can help you grab the railing in time or control your body on the way down so you don't fall in such a serious matter. One person that really, really discusses this is Dr. Peter Mattia, where he's a medical professional, he's a medical doctor, but something that he really focuses on is health and longevity. And he has a really great article about stability and the importance of it that I'm going to link as well in the show notes. He views it as one of his four main components of exercise. And if you look at CrossFit, one of the 10 major areas of fitness that they describe, one of them is balance and coordination is I think the other one, which is very, very important. But since I beat this fitness horse to death, you can again go to the link in the show notes and you can check out this. It's very valuable to review. And over time, I'll start to implement more specific stuff. Like I'm a big CrossFit advocate, so I'll implement some of the educational stuff that CrossFit has put out because they are one programming mentality that although people think it's intense and dangerous is extremely valuable for longevity and health and they really promote that aspect of it. So you can do a little bit more research on this, but now it's time to really start to blend this together and how it matters in your retirement. The life expectancy of men currently in North America is 77 years and women is at 81 years. That's if you live to age 65. And where that's relevant is if you exercise, that can increase your lifespan by three to four years. 
And the first place that could really affect your retirement plan is your income distribution strategy. So your income distribution strategy is the time where you decide to quit working and you need to turn your accumulated assets, the assets that you accumulated throughout your lifetime into your income for the rest of your life. Now, how we do that is a separate discussion. It's going to be an entirely different podcast in the future, but you need to understand that adding three to four years onto your life could be a really significant hurdle in having enough income from your assets to live happily in retirement. That's what I referred to before as longevity risk, the risk of outliving your money. So although you did a good job of taking care of your life to live happier and live longer and spend more time with your family and friends and children and grandchildren, but you need to really focus on your retirement plan and its ability to sustain that lifestyle for that longer period of time. Breaking down that topic area about income distribution a little bit further. So first is longevity risk. That's the big key takeaway that you need to understand if you're exercising or wanting to exercise, you're going to live longer and you can outlive your money. So in being concerned about that, we start to prepare for it. And one way we start to prepare is social security maximization. So this could be classified as point two, the second place that living longer impacts your retirement, your lifespan directly correlates to how you decide to distribute social security. Let's say you don't think you're going to live very long. If you don't think you're going to live very long for whatever reason, maybe you want to take your social security early. Now taking it early will lead to reduced benefits, some other potential issues with other income, reducing benefits and taxation, those types of things. But if you wait too long to say full retirement age at 67 and you only expect to live maybe 10 years longer, maybe to maximize your social security, taking your benefit before full retirement age would be valuable. But on the flip side, if you plan on living longer, now obviously there are unexpected things that happen in life that we don't know if we're actually going to live longer, but based on the assumption of our family and our health and our situation, if you are going to live longer, maybe it's better to take social security later to maximize your benefit because the longer you wait for social security after full retirement age, your benefit increases by five to 8% each year to age 80. I'm excuse, excuse me, age 70. I don't know why I said 80 age 70. So the three big dates in Social Security are age 62. That's when you can actually start taking Social Security. Age 66 and 10 months or 67, depending on what year you were born. That's your full retirement age where you get your maximum benefit based on your earnings history. Then if you wait to take your benefit to any year after age 67 or your full retirement age, you get a 5 to 8% increase. So your largest benefit is at age 70. If you're going to live longer, maybe waiting to age 70 would be beneficial to you. So this is an element in your income distribution strategy is social security. But what about pensions? How do you want to distribute a pension if you're going to get it and live longer? You could pick specific year time frames, specific amounts. There's a lot of different wiggle room within your pension as well. What about risk with your investments? How are you going to manage the returns in your investments to supplement your income. If you're living longer and you have a longer time horizon, you can maybe endure more risk. 
But if you have a shorter time horizon, you're concerned about your health, maybe a little bit less risk. And the bigger piece of the puzzle that we haven't discussed about your specific income distribution strategy is making sure to supplement enough income for healthcare expenses. The better your health is, the less you might have to spend on healthcare in retirement, which means you may have to pull a little bit less from your reserves or your investments. But if you're concerned about your health and you got to spend more on medications, for example, or outpatient facilities or long-term care, you're really going to have to drain assets to cover those types of expenses in retirement. So now that we've discussed longevity risk and started to discuss our income distribution strategy, which is probably part two, the next phase we need to go to is your cognition and your happiness. This is a huge element of retirement that a lot of advisors don't discuss because it's less sexy and it's more personal and maybe a little bit emotional. Advisors like to talk about the sexy stuff that I was just talking about, the social security distribution and the investment strategies and the pensions and the annuities and all the things that help provide the income in retirement. That's like the technical intelligence stuff that makes advisors think that they're smart. But something that's really important is cognition and happiness in retirement. When you're there and you put together this technical distribution strategy, are you going to be able to enjoy it? Taking care of your health and wellness early on really helps you cognitively be there in retirement and helps you engage in a greater level of happiness where you can really enjoy the hard-earned dollars that have accumulated in your lifetime. And cognition is something that can be prepared for. And in this physical activity guidelines, it discusses the value in your mentality or your mental health with exercise. And the last piece of the puzzle is leaving a legacy. Leaving a legacy is the idea that when you pass away and then when your spouse passes away, you leave assets to the beneficiaries that you want, and you actually leave some assets. This is really important for some people to leave a bulk of the assets that they've accumulated throughout their life to family members or charities or organizations of their choice. And this is something that just depends on the person. It depends on what they want when they pass away. And the reason why this applies to your health is if you have a really high level of health in retirement, there's a likelihood you might want to spend as much as you can. So your income distribution strategy and the way you manage your investments and your assets in retirement is going to be completely different than a person that potentially wants to leave a big bulk of their money. Now, you can be healthy and also want to leave a big bulk of your money to family members churches, charities, or organizations that there's no reason why you can't do that as well. You just need to evaluate if that's important to you and that's something you want to do. Maybe you think that you've given your kids enough. You got them to where they are in life. They're in their 40s, 50s, maybe even 60s. And you're like, you're fine. You got it all taken care of and you want to leave your assets to somewhere else. Or Maybe the kids aren't where they want them to be, or it's just really important for you to give money to your children 
whether those decisions are important to you is going to impact where you're at in retirement. And the longer you live could impact how much assets are left over. So you need to plan accordingly. There's a lot of carryover in health and wellness as it comes to retirement planning. Go from here is wealth programmed. I chose wealth programmed because in the fitness community or CrossFit community, programming is really important. Programming is the workout structure designed for CrossFit gyms or for bodybuilders or for marathon runners or for triathletes. There's a certain amount of programming that goes into their fitness goals. And that programming should be in most cases customized. Now, CrossFit gyms don't use customized programming. The programming itself for a CrossFit gym has a custom feel to it because it's a very unique training methodology. But a lot of people can get individualized or customized programming for their goals. And usually a good creator of the program thinks about it in different phases and if they think about it over periods of time and what goals we're trying to achieve. That's how I want to approach financial planning is it's your program. It's your wealth and retirement program. And that's the approach that we're going to take in this podcast. If you ever have any questions, feel free to reach out to me directly. The best way to do that is at propathfinancial.com. That's the website that is constantly being changed and updated. So I apologize about that. But you can also find all of my links for everything at solo.to slash propathfinancial. Again, that's S-O-L-O dot T-O slash propathfinancial. That's got links to my LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube, blog. This is going to be this podcast. But make sure to reach out if you have any questions. I'm going to try to get these out weekly. So stay tuned for the next one. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Take a look at the show notes for links to all the topics that were discussed and stay tuned for the next episode as they're going to be dropping weekly. Make sure to subscribe and go to www.propathfinancial.com to learn more. Thanks. The Jack Riders fuel got me hazy. About to unpack all these things I've been chasing. I've got visions in my head, like memories after death. To be a legend instead of something you can forget. I'm living up every breath. I'd rather leave than be led. I'll fill the seats as I spread with every word that I've said. provided in these podcasts is only to be considered helpful hints and education. Nothing said in any of these podcasts is to be misconstrued as specific tax, legal, or investment advice. Consult with your tax, legal, or investment professional before acting on anything discussed on these shows.